Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the drink talking. With the Thinking Drinkers, Ben McFarland and Tom Sandon. And Mistress of Wine, Sam Caporn. All the booze, news and views. From absinthe to Zinfandel. Do try this at home. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our podcast. It's the drink talking, where we pour drinking information into your ears. That it's sounds a, unpleasant. It, it could be. My name's Tom Sandham. I'm one of the thinking drinkers. I like to drink spirits, and we'll talk about that. I am joined, as ever, by the other thinking drinker, Ben McFarland. Hello, Ben. Hello, everybody. And Sam Capon, the mistress of wine. Hello, Sam. Hi. Hi to you too. Everyone well? All good? All Very good, well. thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling perky today? Yeah. Yep. Everyone been all drinking good. all week and preparing yep. themselves for this? Yeah, I had some wine last night. It's very yeah. nice. Oh, Macon Village, it was called. Ooh, ooh la la. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. What grapes in Macon? Have I, have I taught you anything? What's grapes in Macon Village? Uh, yeah, the um, white mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I found? Do you know what, uh, what grape is it? Wait, hang on. Um, Chardonnay? Yay! Oh, <laughs> that was wow. a complete okay. guess. Good for you. Nice. Do you know what I found at the back of my fridge? A quarter full bottle of uh, Sancerre that was <laughs> left over from this tasting. And do you know what? I did drink it and it was um, tasty. I thought well, you can't this leave this is, No, no, no. This, this is my new thing. One, and we've discussed this before, that it's bollocks putting a spoon in your sparkling wine. Yeah. But sparkling wine stays fizzy in a fridge for ages. I opened a bottle the other Sunday because I fancied a glass. And then I got given a really gorgeous present by a friend of mine last week. And I was so excited. I didn't know what to do with myself, so I needed to have a glass of wine to calm down. And I'd just been given a really nice tip tree raspberry gin liqueur. Mm. So I used that as a basis and topped up with some more nice. of this fizz and had a little kind of cocktail I did get a bit smashed. Cocktail. But anyway, the fizz was still fizzy. I mean, that's quite a long time after I gave it to you. Wasn't yeah, it? it's been a couple of weeks, but there was nothing that's else. Okay. Uh, Cocktail probably brings me on to my spit or swallow. Seamless, Tom. Oh, seamless. 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 On the edge of my seat. Yeah, which I'm going to start with because it's my turn. Yeah. And uh, my spit and swallow are two completely different things. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> rambling now because I realised I had the seamless link, but I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, there we go, folks. Professional as ever. Now, I'll do my swallow first. London Cocktail Week. I'm going to talk about London Cocktail Week. Now, it sounds like uh, for those listeners up in Cumbria, this might be a bit of a regional, oh, London, like everything happens in London. But it does. But it does, yeah. It's the capital, and we will eventually set sail and leave the British Isles because of Brexit. (laughs) We'll set up our own own little world. Because everything happens in London. Not really. But actually, London Cocktail Week was incredible because people from all over the UK and all over the world made drinks and celebrated cocktail culture. And it was 
pretty incredible. If you like cocktails, the last week in London has been one of the best places on the planet. And I was in a, a bar called Three Sheets, which is in Dalston, quite a trendy part of London, apparently. I should say for the listeners, I don't live in London, <laughs> and I couldn't care less. Um, but it was in Dalston, and they'd flown in employees-only bartenders. Now, employees-only is a New York bar, which is one of the best bars in the world. If any, anyone ever goes to New York, a high recommendation to go to employees-only. So they had some of the best bartenders in the world making these drinks. I stood in this bar. It was absolutely rammed. I was talking to people and not really concentrating on the drinks, which arrived in my hand courtesy of a, a PR woman because I don't <laughs> ever buy a drink. <laughs> and um, it's a luxury lifestyle, Ben. Uh, so she gave me these <laughs> cocktails. <laughs> they were Woodford Reserve cocktails, and I know you'll appreciate that. They that are is, good. I mean, it was amazing spirit at the base of them. I didn't even really think about the drinks, but I walked out of there and I thought, that are some of the best drinks I've ever had. But it was also a great bar, great chat, and everyone was just there enthused by the idea of drinking well, the free quality. Drinks. Yeah, well, I'm, I know, to be fair, I was one of the very few drinking them free. People were paying for them. But it was just a really nice buzz around cocktails. And there were events every night where it was just the best quality drinks you could imagine. And I don't want to sound too evangelical about this, but if you have bad experiences with cocktails and then you go and experience that, it does reignite your passion. passion. I also for think it is, there are lots of, and I do live in London, there are lots of great things about London, lots of really annoying things about London, but it is, along with New York, am I right in saying, I think I am, that it is in the top three cities in the world in terms of the cocktail culture. I, would, I just think I it's would, something yeah. at least we should be very proud we'll of. Will be one. I would say no. I would say we're number one. Would you? Okay. I would actually say partly because of the influence of people from around the UK. So Manchester and Leeds and Edinburgh have had huge influence on cocktail culture and a lot of their best bartenders have moved down to London. I mean, it is where the money is. People are prepared to spend £20 on a cocktail, as ludicrous as that might sound. So we've got an influence of that, but we've got the influence of Europe and Australia, and the Australians are really into their bar culture. So we've got a real mix of different ideas. New York is still amazing and it's kind of a heartland of cocktail culture and it still has influences from all around the world as well but I just think we have it more, more in London yeah. and because of that we have more variety in our cocktail culture so it's not just hotel bars or it's not just really sort of speakeasy bars you can go into bowling alley and, you and can good, get re- really and good, good restaurants cocktail. I went somewhere the other day looking for someone to eat and they had a really great cocktail menu yeah well the Hawksmoor have made a business out of Burger, steaks, meat, cocktails. great farming and getting their beef properly sourced. But cocktails as well. And their bars are some of the best in the world. And that's because they've seen that if you really enjoy good food and you enjoy good wine and you enjoy good beer, increasingly, yeah. you're going to want a decent cocktail as well. So this last week has celebrated that. And they had the World's 50 Best Bars, um, which you can find online, which came as part of the whole London Cocktail Week, which called, sort of celebrates cocktail bars. Uh, Who we, won that? Was that Dandelion? It was, no, actually, Dandelion was second, and the American bar at the Savoy was, was first. first. At the Connaught in Mayfair, it was at number four. So, admittedly, what came out of that was two things. A lot of hotel bars were in, in the top five and they do seem to have the big budgets that allow them to have these uh, these programs of making great quality drinks up against the independent bars who don't necessarily have so much money there were still great independent bars in the top 20 happiness forgets is that number in 12 Shoreditch, I think it's number 12 
brilliant bar, very mm. low-key, but incredible drink. So there's still brilliant bars in did that the, list uh, as well. Gatwick Weatherspoons, did that make that it? That didn't make it, no. Um, wow, what kind of awards are these? <laughs> <laughs> what are the criteria? Yeah. Sometimes you wonder. The other yeah. thing to come out of they it was... They serve beer 24 hours a day. <laughs> there you go. But the Singapore bar scene... Well, they had about oh, eight good? bars in the top 50. Singapore is apparently the new place to go to drink cocktails. Oh, it'd be great to go out there, nice. wouldn't it? And I've, check them out. I, I've heard I that the, the travel, tourist board's The listening. tourist board apparently is uh, interested in taking influencers out there, <laughs> oh, hopefully on private mind. jets. I'd like a private jet. Um, <laughs> so that was my swallow. Love it. Uh, World's 50 Best Bars was a great event as well. It's been a great time to be drinking cocktails. My spit is about packaging. Hmm. Uh, Sound like my husband. Yeah. Uh, Does that aubergine really need to come in a bag? It's more actually. <laughs> <laughs> your subhuman husband, Is that right? uh, who we've talked about many times on this podcast. He gets a bit of a hard time, doesn't he? <laughs> I do love you, darling. It's yeah, too late for that. We're, in a bag. we're about ten podcasts deep, and you haven't said that once. We're <laughs> <laughs> too late. Too little, too late. Now, more about how important packaging is to drinks and what's happening in the world of drinks. This is a bit of a newsy topic, folks. The idea that. Booze is following the same direction as cigarettes. And cigarettes, as you will know, mm-hmm. have had all of the, the design and packaging taken away yeah. in a bid to make uh, people more aware of the effects it has on your health. And there is a slow, steady movement towards ingredients, towards, I think. No, the people on the health side of the debate who are very passionate about the harmful effects of alcohol are calling for much more aggressive changes in the way alcohol is marketed and packaged. Now, when we reduced our weekly recommended intake, the government suggested to 14 units, which is quite a big mm. move away from, what were they saying, two to three units a day? It was, to them, no, it went down it wasn't from, even, it was four units no, a day, No, I think it was it? 14 then, units for women, and they brought it down from 21 to 14 for, for men. men as well. And we're the only country in Europe that has the same unit recommendation for both men and women. But it, um, it's still quite low. low. But the point is that the packaging hasn't really changed to reflect that. And the alcohol industry has its own body that helps to sort of assess these issues, the Portman Group, and they, everyone talks about it all the time. And it's quite a rigid uh, operation in Portman. We, we took our beer there. Yeah, well, what the Portman Group do is that you send your packaging to them before you launch it, and they say... They have well, to approve it. They have to approve it. They give you guidance. And they can't But they can't stop you... Launching it like that, but what they do do is if if your beer or wine or spirit that hasn't been approved by them is being sold by an off license or a pub, they will then tell the licensing authorities that you as a retailer are being naughty. Uh, it works that way. I mean, um, to give an idea of how stringent they can be on their guidance, we have a beer called Hobo, mm. and when we approached them to talk to them about the brand, one of the things they suggested was that this is inappropriate because some children might associate this with the littlest hobo. Um, <laughs> and I did come back with that and say, that hasn't aired for around 40 yeah, any, years. Any children watching that are now... <laughs> and now I'm not familiar with it, but I am 40. Yeah. They backtracked on that and yeah. did say, but we understand that... I mean, the, we positioned it as a hobo, as a travelling gentleman, a man who likes discerning things. But that's just one area of how they can just pick up the 
minutiae of what you're trying mm. to do. And they haven't really been that aggressive in terms of this 14 units. So the health professionals have all come back and said, well, you haven't done this. And actually, what we think is that you should get rid of all the packaging and that it should be like cigarette packets. Now, that's the most extreme end of this argument. And about 60% of the bar industry is fairly convinced that we're not going down that road. But I remember... But, but I mean, the tobacco industry thought mm. that. Exactly. And I think you've got to be careful because I think... And is actually, that global with tobacco? Well, like in America and elsewhere? They that's a very good question. Or is it just English? Mm. I'd be surprised if British. it is in America because uh, they still allow people to carry guns. I yeah. bet they're all right on yeah. their tobacco. On the and it's a massive yeah. industry over there. Yeah. The strange thing about it is by reducing the opportunities to differentiate yourselves in this marketplace as a, as a product, the more likely effect is that the big guys who can sell cheap mm. alcohol are going to win because what allows a smaller brand to position itself differently it's to one unique. of those is having mm. nice packaging mm. and a nice label and, and sort of setting themselves apart and pricing themselves differently. You can see this uniform factory line of booze actually takes that decision away from the consumer when they approach alcohol. But also it's just it is, No, that's crazy. It's such a completely different product to fags, yeah. but it's just not the same. But well, also also you're it's not as sophisticated as... You cannot smoke responsibly mm. and you can drink responsibly. Yeah, yeah. And I know this is getting into rather controversial territory, but we just talked about the world's best bars. Mm. If you're sat in a bar having a drink, it looks yeah, amazing. Beautiful. You look at a back yeah, bar yeah. with all the bottles there. That's part of it, right? Like in a hotel bar. I just think, wow, are we really we're going to do mm. that? Well, what's next? And well, that's uh, what is next. And that's yeah. the big thing, isn't it? So my packet of salted McCoys, they're going to take it off there? Or I can't go into McDonald's well, and see the packaging? Did you salty see the, food? I mean, um, they're going to take Marks all and, the packaging away. Marks and Spencers took down all their photos in their stores that were promoting foods that could be fatty, like cheese. They took photos of cheese down mm. because they said that's, that's going to encourage people to eat badly. That's mental. That is mental. Mm. Why are you doing mm. that? We can make that decision. Can, yeah, food, oh, I've, I've got a story about cheese. When I was in France, very quickly, <laughs> very quickly, my wife and I went to Armagnac on holiday with the kids. One night, we bought this really ponky cheese that you do in the market, and we kept it out of the fridge, and it was getting more and more ripe over the weekend. And we had it after our meal, and we were, I was eating loads of it. It was lovely, really nice. And then Sophie was putting some on her bread, and we looked down, and it was moving. Oh! Mm, actual mini mouse. maggots. Oh, in the cheese. Maggots aren't as funny as a mouse. No, and we'd eaten about five oh. or six mouthfuls. Nice. Well, maggots. How so come? What was that all about? So she rang, she rang up a French mate. Was like, mm. "Is this right?" And he was pissing himself, laughing, going, "Yes, in Corsica, this is. It's a delicacy. Yeah, I think it's called fromage vivant, which mm. means living cheese. And apparently, it's all right. Not for me. But Not for me. Ki- thanks. We killed it with our yeah, yeah, that yeah. night. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's. But bad. there you go. Well, eating cheese is a risk. Life, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is a, is a risk. You can yeah. get in a car. You can. I don't see them taking all the packaging away from cars. I don't. See, that's a bit of an extreme comparison. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, life is a risk. And scientists have recently revealed that we're only really supposed to live to the age of forty, and that anything after that, the is body starts to deteriorate and things start oh, to go wrong. Know, so yeah. you can associate alcohol with some things that might go wrong with you later in life. And you might live a bit longer if you don't drink. You might live a li- little longer. You'd be a miserable bastard. But you won't have as much of a nice time. And also, so, the packaging that the regulations now, I and mean, there's a picture of a, a pregnant lady on a lot of packaging, mm. as just yeah. saying, you know, if you're pregnant, on booze. Don't drink, on booze. Mm. 
Yeah, needs to be there, but I think well, 99% that... of pregnant people mm. must know that you shouldn't drink. I can't believe I that there people... are many people oh, but it's, left and on it's the planet. back in the news every few... I read something recently that basically going, they're still going round in circles between the whole... Is it that bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. And I think most people, when they find out they're pregnant, would not touch anything for the first three months. And then, you know, I think I probably waited on a personal point of view to the 20-week scan. Then I probably just drank very, very lightly, maybe like one glass a week or something. Mm. So not much. No, but I do think that it's about... Taking some responsibility to yourself, yes. using, a, yeah. using some sense. But, but we are certainly by no means blasé about it, the education that needs to happen yeah. on this podcast, listeners. And there's a lot of responsibility on the drinks industry to mm. do that. And I think that the drinks industry takes that responsibility very seriously and does do that. But this was coming to my spit. I was actually thinking, I've had a really good week. I don't really have that much to say that's bad. So I went through a Google search or an email search of all my Google updates and all the rest of it to look for the drinks news. Bang, bang, bang. Bad news, bad news. This has killed that person. This has done this to that person. The alcohol news is consistently... Bad news. So I don't think we, as a world, shy away from the ill effects of drinking badly. So, yes, Ben, I agree. I would like to see a headline that says, group of friends, go to pub, have Have good time. Yeah, (laughs) Come home. Drink responsibly, drink glass of water, get into bed. Go to work, manage to do their job. It was nice Mm. to get away from my substandard husband for an (laughs) evening. Yeah, God, (laughs) substandard. Anyway, that's that. Good one. Yes, uh, we're getting passionate about our spit or swallows these days. So it's now time to move on to our next session. Tasting (laughs) me. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is a podcast. It's the drink talking. So it's my go, I think, to do tastings. Hooray! I don't know why I say I think, because I've got the two bottles of wine in front of me, which are already poured. You poured them. Um, So this week, I just felt that with not that far... Christmas. But basically, I just thought pudding wine would be a good thing to cover. Well, I'm going to just chip in straight away with my Mm. best dessert wine experience. It was actually in South Africa. In, oh, uh, Ryan Constance. It was one of the best, rest, 50 best restaurants in the world, Colom... Colom 
it's on a vineyard in South Africa. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> point gold, was, listeners, this is gold. <laughs> it is. Wait till we get to Ben's earwax story, folks. <laughs> but no, the thing about it was it was in blazing heat and I'd just eaten a spring risotto. It was really nice. So I don't think it is weather dependent. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's pudding dependent, though. Or uh, instead of no, a pudding. I said instead of a pudding. I'm not a dessert man, so I had okay. instead of a pudding. So, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I say that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like a chocolate digestive and milk after my dinner most nights. You do not. <laughs> I really do, listeners. <laughs> do you? have an insight. Do you? I do. I love, I love chocolate and milk. <laughs> you don't. I actually don't believe you. He does. I really do. pyjamas. <laughs> In my David Gandhi pyjamas, yeah, stick on a bit of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm or just catch up on EastEnders. <laughs> Lovely. Moving on. So I've got two sweet wines for this week. The first one, they're both from Tesco's. The first one is a Sauterne. It's a 2010 vintage. Do either of you know anything about a Sauterne? Mm. I drove past it on a motorway about a month ago. Okay, so you know <clears throat> where it is? Mm-hmm. Where? In France. <laughs> Any further? Any? It's any... north of Armagnac, south of Paris. Okay, so commonly called Bordeaux. Yep. Well okay. done. Correct. Not far from the Cognac region. Correct. Did I tell you my Cognac story? No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so basically, here we've got a Sauterne. Now, Sauterne and other top top sweet wines are made by something called Noble Rot. Mm. Have you heard of that mm. before? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a great bar restaurant uh, okay. called Noble Rot in London, isn't it? Which oh, obviously is named after this, this rather than the process. other way around. Yes, of course. And it's also called Botrytis, Botrytis Cinerea. Which sounds more sinister. Yeah, it sounds honest. like an STD. Ben? Well, so does Noble <laughs> Rot if you take the L-E away. L-E-O-A. <laughs> Gosh, you actually... I did, actually, think, I did actually have to... Um, work Knob rot. Um, yeah, <laughs> so you get this thing called botrytis, and what it does is it dehydrates the berries. So you need a very specific climatic conditions where you get kind of fog and sunshine, and then you basically get rot that shrivels the berries and concentrates the sugars. It's almost you like do. you're talking through the process of sexual endeavours. <laughs> climatic shrivels. shrivels. <laughs> Sounds so much like my lovemaking. Oh. <laughs> what are you on? Keep going. Okay, so so basically, so the Sertan, um region is from, in the Grave district in Bordeaux, and it's basically three grapes that are grown there, predominantly semillon, and then some Sauvignon. What's going on? You can't say Sauvignon and expect us to just go up in it. Sauvignon climax and shriveled. Come on. You is... have written all this down, haven't you? Come no, on, Sam. And is... you said STD. We didn't bring that up. You brought that up. <laughs> okay, okay, right. So, try and. This is a very delicious pudding wine made predominantly from semillon, which is particularly susceptible to this noble rot, which shrivels the berries and makes them very concentrated and luscious. Almost like raisins. Almost like raisins, exactly. Which is French for grapes. So, and then um, Sauvignon will um, add some acidity. Muscadel, if it's used, adds some kind of um, aromatics. But semillon's the real uh, majority part of the blend. They've got this, and it produces a very sort of lovely, waxy, honeyed, lemony kind of character. Try it, chaps. As a master of wine, Sam, which you are, um, and uh, this is something when we're tasting spirits, particularly more recently rums, big rums, like Mm. we do Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva, which I know you love, it smells like it's going to be sweet. Yeah. 
I find myself saying it smells sweet, but we can't say that, can we? So um, do you have no, to be because you just you can more smell, specific in wine? Well, just... but no, I think you can smell the things in it that you know by association are likely to be sweet. So if, mm. you, sm- if you smell honey or yeah. spices, like, I think you naturally would associate cinnamon or clove or honey with something that will right. be sweet. I think also... Your mind's telling you things. Like if you're looking at something, you can see like the legs on the glass generally denote alcohol or sweetness. Now, so it turns not that alcoholic. It's only like 13.5%. It's not fortified. So turn is not a fortified no. sweet wine like you might get in, you know, Van du Naturel, VDM mm. wines. It's actually quite a light alternative. And with sweet wines, the general rule of thumb is the sweet wine should be sweeter than the pudding. Right. So whatever you'd want with this, like you were saying... um, Creme brulee. Creme brulee. We had a quick taste before. Well, just a um, smell, in fact. And it's, it's I mean, and the <clears> colour <throat> and those smells, there's no influence of wood to talk about there? Or is there, is some, there is there some is. wood in this. Yep, they've got some French oak. Yeah, there's some barrels here. So aged in French oak barrels for 18 months. Okay. I mean, on the back of the label, I've got to say, they've said chocolate desserts. I'm not sure um, no, it, um, it, would... it would stand up chocolate dessert. I'm thinking lemony pudding. Yeah. Creme brulee is an excellent shout. And actually cheese. With oh, yeah. sweet and sour. So if you've got particularly like a blue veiny cheese. Well, I was thinking... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's definitely you, Sam. This is You're not... the problem. You are You're the, the problem. I'm not the problem. Why are you laughing at that? I, did, I was about to waltz past blue and yeah. veiny. Quite often you will have honey with goat's cheese, won't you? Yes. And walnuts. Yeah. And I think it would go quite well with yeah. that. Mm. Not too ponky goat's no. cheese. But if we have some cheese now... Which we don't, sadly. I yeah. reckon the blue cheese would be the most successful. Because you can actually have normal white wine with goat cheese. But we're yeah. talking about dessert wine. I mean, I, I agree, the cheese yeah. goes, it would work. But I think a dessert... Well, I, Pudding. I, yeah. I, I want my pudding. What would you have it with? I would, um, I would drink I think, it alone. Or you have it on its I own. Would, I, I think Tory sponge. That's pretty oh, British. Okay, yeah. yeah. Or sticky toffee pudding. No, too much. Too much. Too, too much. much. Too I sticky. Think right, like a lemon cheesecake or something like I that. I think a lemon cheesecake, something quite like, anything like the, the trifle with loads of cream. The good thing about a lot of sweet wines, they have quite good acidity. Mm. So actually you can, um, you know, cut through some richness. So turn is one of the more sort of delicate, refined pudding wines. Right. So yeah, so basically like with um, most old world wines, you know, so turns the region... It makes sweet wine. So if you're ever in a shop and you see Sauterne, it's a didn't you, um, sweet wine. Didn't you learn French in Sauterne? Was that right? That was Sancerre. Sancerre. Nearly. You're in Sancerre, not Sauterne. <laughs> wow. But they're quite close to each other, are they? Um, not really. Oh, the, yeah. No, the Loire and Bordeaux are... Oh, no, they're not. Bordeaux. <laughs> no, I was driving fast. It's just, it was, I whizzed by. Was it, it. Whizzed time, by it. was it that time when you were having chorizo in Milan? <laughs> Bender's <laughs> confusion with uh, I always get Italian snacks. <laughs> I was Madrid? Italian foods and tapas. I get mixed up sometimes. But, oh, yeah, I, drinking, I so. drinking Belgian beers in all Berlin. Foreign muck. <laughs> and so um, this it's is from Europe. Tesco. It's a Tesco finest hotel, and it's twelve pounds for a half bottle. Okay, now, so it is like okay, le- I've got a liquid nectar. Yeah. It is expensive. Right, we, we don't want to, you want to move on to your second wine, of course. Mm. But Tesco finest. Mm. Am I being a bit of a snob to just mm. say, look, if I'm going to bring a bottle of wine around to a friend's house and it says Tesco on the label? Yeah. No disrespect to one of the largest supermarket chains in the country, and if they are hiring consultants, we're available. <laughs> yeah. But um, I just feel that, that cheapens it a bit. Is it fair? Okay, so this is this is, is the finest. Well, it's got written on it anyway. Bottled by Yvonne Mo, mm. who are a good producer okay. in in uh, Bordeaux. They produce a lot of wine, a lot of uh, Tesco's own label and stuff. Will be Yvonne Mo. I visited Yvonne Mo 
they do 10 out of some good gear. So it's a legit now, process. Yeah. What, so yeah. how much is that? £12 for a half bottle. Okay. But it's a really long process. And if you think about it, you're mm. losing a massive part of your crop because obviously, you're, you know, you're, the grapes are shriveling. <laughs> but also, but also, it's the way you drink it. Mm. Now, mm. even that small bottle, we've had three rather, relatively big servings here. Mm. And if I was having my Victoria sponge or my goat's cheese, I'd finish it and I probably wouldn't then go back to the bottle and drink no. the rest of it. So, but I think it's stay how, open for you know that'll be fine. Keep, I think because the sugar and the alcohol. Yeah. Really, you I can keep, keep that. So yeah, it's not I like, would keep it for weeks. Would you? Oh, okay, yeah. okay. That's okay. Well, good. that's a bit better. Yeah. Okay. No, I like it. It's good. Well, What's I've got another one? one. What's the second one? I thought we'd do two different examples made from different grape varieties and from different places. So, yeah, so this one is a Sauterne, very classic, French, from Bordeaux, produced by the set, fundamentally Stop It Boys uh, from this <laughs> Botrytis. It's all about the Botrytis. Detritus. Detritus, it sounds Botrytis like. Botrytis, Cinerea. What's Botrytis? The noble rot, which oh, shrivels the berries and makes it really... Yes, sweet and sticky. Right. That's and that's what makes it so expensive because obviously you're losing a lot of your fruit, very tiny yields, tiny quantities. But let's see how you get on with this. This yeah. is called Tokai. Oh, you this is Hungarian, really isn't it? Smirky. Yeah. Is it Hungarian? It's just yes. all the innuendo. Yeah, no, I've written about this. Wines. Have you? Okay, take over. I will. It's Hungarian. <laughs> it's Hungarian and so it's Hungarian a dessert, dessert wine. wine. And um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so this is also from Tesco's, and it's a St. Stephen's Crown, five petonias tokai, and that's £16 for 50 CL. What's a petonia? I'll come to that in a minute. And this is a 2013 vintage. It's a measure of the sweetness. Oh, okay. And so you get different sorts of petonias. This is also made by Botrytis, so the conditions that you need, shriveling the berries. Tom doesn't seem to like it too much. Talk me through that. Wow. Okay, for a start, it's only 10%, mm-hmm. which is extraordinary. But then I suppose none of the sugar's been turned into alcohol because <laughs> I've just tasted it. And that, wow. is, that is sugar. That's intense. Mm. I don't, I mean, Do I don't have a sweet to tooth. That? But no. That's, that's all, all from, from the, the grapes. grapes. Yes and no. So, Are they me... allowed to add sugar? Um, well... What they do is, you know, you get the botrytis, you get the sweet berries. So you get the made by naval rot. The principal grape is ferment with some hasleflu. <laughs> what? Hasleflu. 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 It sounds like something you'd say after a bottle of this stuff. Hasleflu. I love you. I love you. But yeah, no, basically. The concentration of the wines is measured by the number of petonias. So basically, and it relates to the amount of residual sugar in the wine. Right. So five petonias relates to about 120 grams a litre of residual sugar. Okay. Well, it's sweet. But I mean, if actually, you're having that with pudding, quite raisiny. you're going, you're like, going That'll be nice nuts. for Christmas pudding, right? It'll be good on a mm. Christmas pudding. Um, I actually think really that's... Um, intense for me. I like that. I think it's... The sweetness at first you think, oh, that's going to really coat my mouth, but it mm. doesn't. It sort of disappears. It's quite. Mm. I can imagine going to Hungary, having a big meal, and then finishing with that. It's the kind of thing you think, wow. Do you know I will buy a few bottles of that and take it home. Never open <laughs> it. Never open it. <laughs> well, that's it. On location, as we always say, the, yeah, the, the experience of drinking it in because one of the in having been to Budapest for my brother's tag day, um, when we went for a traditional. Uh, Budapest Stag. meal. Oh, I see. Um, we ate all their big heavy meats, and yeah. then after that, 
then yeah, it probably. I imagine nice, Hungary nice... does a good pastry. Does actually, yeah. I like a sort of some kind of cinnamon carry on. Mm. You think you're yeah. Sweden? No, no Hungary. Uh, <laughs> different country. Um, bit like they Austria, more like Austria. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, totally Vienna was already an easy sort of pastries, but that's that's, that's Vienna. That's, <laughs> that's got to be Hungary's gift to the wine world, doesn't it? If you're yeah. going to Hungary, it's no, like yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, 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 they do wines, but that is yeah, no, the, 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 yeah, Tokai is their real USP. But like that's the, they're really famous, yeah. very premium, you know, expensive. You know, I, liquid I, nectar. I like. I really like Tokai. Yep, I like it. Well, I like the Sauterne. I like the style of wine. I like the idea of having a white, particularly um, if you've had a couple of heavy reds with the main course, and then you don't. It's quite don't interesting, keep isn't it? How how it works if you're looking at a you're drinking arch through a sort of traditional meal. You start mm. with an aperitif, it's an apéro, which is going to be bitter. Mm. And then you go through the meal and you have light wines with the starters and lighter dishes and get into heavier reds and then it just gets sweeter and sweeter. Mm. With the dessert, you're going to have this very sweet wines. But it's a bit of a funny thing to end on, sweetness. Because it, it leaves quite... Coming quite cloying. Quite cloying. Uh, yeah, I, I, and then I suppose you have a, a coffee and then that cuts it. You there's want, your bitterness. See, I quite like after a meal, like a chartreuse or something... I don't like Chartres particularly. Well, the, you know. that's why I've been drinking Negronis at the end of the evening. Yeah, I think because it cuts it right through. But that's the bitterness you're talking about, yeah. coffee. So you do, you would naturally end like your experience. Jägermeister with, was originally designed for would, yeah. after eating a big feast mm. and it would cut through the, or it would help well, you digest. Because it was full of yeah, and Chartres does that to help brilliantly well, mm. exactly. Mm. What is Chartres? Chartres is made in the Al- French Alps in Vaux. What it, it tastes like? It's quite, um, I can have herbal. Mm. It's sweeter it's, than you'd expect. It's a bit like Jaeger in that respect. Yeah. But it hasn't been aged I love it. quite I think the it's same great. way as uh, Jaeger's quite heavy oaking and on the colour. And it's, and it's um, we should taste licorice. it another time because it's made it's by actual monks Ooh, and they only allowed to we'll do, we'll different do. recipe. They only four known the recipe. I'll tell you what, let's back this up with an after dinner spirit. Yeah. Uh, tasting. Do I'll that. do that next time. Great. Without the uh, innuendos yeah. this time. No, I doubt we'll ever escape we'll them, that. Ben. So no. did two quite different um, sweet wines. Sauterne from France, made predominantly from sort of Semillon and Sauvignon. And then the Tokai made from Ferment and Haslivlu. Both made from this Botrytis noble rot. Yeah. And then turn into these sweet, sweet, rich, luscious pudding wines that do taste quite different. They do. I'd say the Sauterne's a bit more... Subtle. Um, subtle and sort of honeyed mm. and elegant and the Tokai is a little bit richer and something more sort of raisined mm. my favourite of the two was definitely the uh, Sancerre with some Italian <laughs> tapas which are beautiful <laughs> um, but that's our tasting thank you Sam and thank now you. I think we'll uh, we'll finish after we've had quite a bit to drink already listeners with someone who gave something important to the industry more important than arguably the three of us <laughs> a legend of liquor and this week, it's Ben's turn to delight us with a story. Yeah, I'm about, about to talk to you about yeast, ladies Ooh, and gentlemen. Oh, I love yeast. Uh, oh. Now, you may not expect that to be very interesting. Very interesting indeed. If you're not interested in yeast... I then... love yeast. I've been okay. serious. So you are preaching to the converted, but I think it's fair to say that there'll be some listeners out there who are curling their toes yeah, he might, <laughs> at the idea and of people yeast will be infections, like walking away, and I'll, I haven't stopped interesting you, so mm. stay. Mm. Because there's a great man... 
who was a bit of a yeast whisperer, who had some serious kind of Petri dish prowess. Ooh, and, are we talking... Um, um... Who are you going to say? What do you think? I don't know. Pasta? No. Oh, oh, so if this was QI, that'd be... <laughs> no, no, no. He was good. Yeah. But in terms of beer, he was not the main man because the main man was a man called Emil Christian Hansen, who was an itinerant odd job man turned chemist. And he, he's probably the most important white-coated beer boffin to ever have lived because he sort of shaped brewing history. While Pasteur may have first found about, out about the fundamentals of fermentation, it was Hansen who, working at the Carlsberg Laboratory in Copenhagen in the 1880s, managed to identify, isolate and propagate individual pure yeast strains. Oh. Wow, see, listeners, we're so, sticking around. High five for yeah. a meal. <laughs> so basically he worked out that different yeast behave and feed more effectively at different temperatures. His discoveries allowed brewers to finally make yeast do what they wanted it to do. So he isolated the first ever pure lager yeast strain. And why was this important, Ben? Now, that is important because the two big families of beer are ale and lager. Mm-hmm. And they both require different styles of yeast, different types of yeast that behave at different temperatures and do different things. Well, they do the same thing predominantly in so much as they turn sugar into alcohol and CO2. But the lager yeast is a very discreet, delicate yeast strain. It won't give off lots of flavours and it's very clean and only works at colder temperatures, and an ale yeast is a bit louder, more brash, gives off more flavours, works at warmer temperatures. But essentially, if you're drinking lager, then Emil Christian Hansen in the 1880s, you need to raise a glass to him, because he was the man who he doesn't get the credit he deserves, who isolated them, the two different strains, and allowed people to then propagate it and use the same yeast strains over and over again. Strikes me, mm. commercially, as a little bit... Naive. Why did he not just hold on to this? It was very generous of him to just give that away, wasn't it? The Carlsberg Brewery are... Uh, doing all right? They're doing yeah, all right, they're yeah. Doing all right. <laughs> yeah. They're doing all right. But if I'd cultivated Mate, my own yeast... No, if, if you, I was in my bedroom, if I'd you cultivated my own yeast, in the 1880s, and it was this powerful, I wouldn't just give the, it to my neighbour. In the 1880s, if he'd got on Dragon's Den, they would have been mm. falling over themselves to give mm. him that money. Or apart from that lady, when he, she doesn't often pay no, up, does she? She's a bit she's tight. A bit tight. <laughs> yeah. And it's not her field of expertise, is it? What, yeast? No. <laughs> See, look, Sam's the only one laughing. Yeah, I don't Again, understand. What, what are you laughing at? You... Um, but anyway... Music, <laughs> boys. <laughs> Carlsberg, they still do it now. Carlsberg have been very generous in their research. They have a, a bank of scientists, a bank of boffins that they... They've always supported financially and had within the brewery, armed with the task of doing scientific research. They came up with a pH scale, Carlsberg Brewery. They came up with, I think it was washing powder as well, they invented. And also uh, the yeast strain, which they donated to other breweries. We've got a bottom fermenting yeast here, which is all about lager brewing. So they were very, very generous. That is generous. Yeah. Fools, I'd say. (laughs) But apparently, apparently they did give it to Heineken. Those two big names are big rivals now, mm. and I think Carlsberg have, have. Well, I think they're. I think they've been careful not to just go out, listen, pipe down, mate, because we gave you. Uh, we yeah. gave you that bit. Of yeast, oh, God, so. a massive affection for Heineken, though, just in terms of marketing and what they've achieved from a fairly small 
Who, Heineken? Heineken. They're just their, their advertising over the last 50, 100 years, I suppose, it's getting on now. They've turned something that's not really... I don't tend to think of it as a massively big beer-producing nation and they've made one of the biggest brands in the world out yeah, of it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. apparently borrowed the yeast. And And uh, having been to America with you, Ben, and visited yeast all the Yeast hustling. Crop, yeast hustling. I People mean, yeast steal is, yeast. It's a big deal in beer, People go on beer tours and then uh, take swabs of yeast and then go so take home, 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 home brewing. Yeah. Oh. A bunch of nerds. And did you know that in Oregon, wine country, there's a brewery called the Rogue Brewery, and there's a guy there called John Meyer, who's the head brewer. I think he's recently retired. And if he hasn't, sorry. Um... <laughs> Um, they looked at brewing a beer using yeast and that that was just in the air around mm. their hop farms and they couldn't make it work with the beer. So they took some of his hair from his face. He's got mm. a big like, hipster brewer beard and he had, he's had a beard for years, so he's had it long before it was cool. They I, took it to a laboratory. They isolated it in the same way that Hanson would have done and they've worked out that the yeast in his beard could be used to make beer. And they've got a, a rogue beard beer now. That's good. That's a bit weird. We've had mm. kind of wee beer, bread beer, and now beard beer. Mm. Yeah, it's, and it's quite good. I mean, Have you tasted it? Yeah. Nice? Yeah. You can't taste Beardy? his beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just beer, you know. All taste the same, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Beer, <laughs> beard beer. But yeah. that's, I think that's an important... Uh, he's an important character to bring up in our podcast, not least because so many people still, when we do beer tastings and drinks tasting generally, will say, you know what, I don't drink ale, I only like lager, or the other way around. You know what, I hate lager, I only drink ale. <laughs> uh, and the reality is it's, you know, same stuff, different yeast. Yeah, it's almost. Different yeast, I, know yeah. I know there are you some should not let yeast dictate your but life be. decisions. Exactly. Unless, of course, you know, you've got athletes for... Yeah, you've got an infection, yeah. I have the thing now. Did you know that uh, in the 1600s, this Dutch fellow called Anthony van Leeuwenhoek was the first to see yeast microorganisms through a microscope? <laughs> he called them little animals. Oh. Yeah. But he didn't know what they were, what they did. And then a German scientist, basically history of yeast, there's loads oh. of little breakthroughs. Theodor Schwann, a German scientist, was the first chapter correctly called yeast a sugar fungus. And did you know that... Norwegians, okay, they called it kvek, which means kindling, which is like using yeast to relight the fire in the so brewing wood. process. Norwegian wood. Norwegian wood, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I was just trying to think of some other yeast facts that I've got you. Um, <laughs> that's about it, really. I well, mean, I, I can go more into yeast, but it's just... I well, think I, I, that's I think a good level of... I think you've of, done good just the right amount, Ben. Just email me, ben at thinkingdrinkers.com if you want to talk about yeast. I have an interest in yeast as well, and I think yeah. in the whiskey world, they use a distiller's yeast across the board, and they argue that they can just use the same yeast in all whiskies. And it's the distillation, the ageing, whereas in American whiskey, they're incredibly careful about their proprietary yeast strains. Mm. So they argue that it adds something. So you just think there's still a hell of a lot not understood about what yeast is actually delivering in the world of spirits to so the final flavours. So I think it's very interesting too. Um, I also love yeast. I love yeast because... <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
It's a bad start. <laughs> no, I do. I generally find yeast fascinating. Without yeast, the sugars in grapes would not be turned into mm. wine. And the same with all the beers and spirits that we talk about. What's really interesting is also how the yeast massively affects the taste of the final wine. So if you have a wild yeast ferment, you can taste it in a finished wine. It has this slightly sort of, I don't know, I can taste when a wine's been fermented, particularly a Sauvignon, if it's been fermented with a wild yeast. And then you get cultured yeasts and you can use different cultured yeasts to make wine more pungent. And mm. then you've got all the effect of yeast on champagne with the yeast autolysis and the biscuity notes. Geese are funky little fellas. Yeah, they are I think great. they're awesome. It's good one, nice Ben. One, That's ben. a great legend of liquor. Yeah. Emil Christian Hansen. Yeah. Good luck. High five good to Emil. That wraps things up very nicely. Thank you for that, Ben. Thank you, Sam, for your delicious wines. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Please tell all your friends about us and come and follow us on our websites and handles at Thinking Drinks. At Mistress of Wine. Yeah, come and go to thinkingdrinkers.com for our tour dates. We're on tour, aren't we, Ben, as yep. the Thinking Drinkers? Um, we've got the dates coming up are things like, I think, Borden, mm, yeah. Spalding. Yeah. We'll be in London. London. London on the 14th Big of one. November, all through December. Catch Sam, meanwhile, on the actual television. She yeah. will be on... Uh, on Saturday mornings, you're doing Saturday a Kitchen Live. Excellent. When uh, when are you next on that? Fourth of November. Brilliant. Oh, okay. We'll what time do you have to get there? Six. What? Well, yeah, I'll go up at four thirty. Taxi comes at five. Get there at six. Straight into hair and makeup. That doesn't take long. Takes about half an hour. Really. Minimum. <laughs> and um, and then we rehearse. We do a live feed at about twenty past nine, and then we're on at ten okay. till eleven thirty. Well, tune in, 4th of November. And, uh, well, do you know who the guest is? Not yet. No, OK. We're available. We're available. <laughs> yeah, if they need someone on the sofa. Oh, uh, no we're sofa. not available on Saturdays. We're touring, Ben. We will be... Not at s- 6 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. <laughs> You're sleeping. Well, 6 in the morning. <laughs> Last weekend we were in Millen. Cumbria. Cumbria. Beautiful, mm. beautiful um, part of the world. And uh, we woke up. It's near Sellafield. Mm-hmm. Nuclear power station. Mm-hmm. Very close. Mm-hmm. And we woke up. And I put the radio on, and they were like, uh, and then you said, yeah, bomb disposal unit <laughs> has been dispatched to Sellafield Nuclear Plant because they found, they were doing an audit of the chemicals, and they found that all the chemicals had just been put in a shed. Controlled explosions. And then we went and sat downstairs. And, and the we, toenails had all gone green. And the, no. well, we were having our breakfast next to a man called Brian, as oh. Storm Brian hit the coastline. And he, he worked at Sellafield, and he explained the last time they had a massive problem like this, they concreted over it. That's it. And it's still there. They built a massive chimney around the problem. They just put a concrete and The last one he said could have been as bad as Grenoble. Grenoble. Not Grenoble, Chernobyl. <laughs> Chernobyl. Grenoble's a nice thing. Grenoble. Grenoble, Chernobyl, 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 Chernobyl fall off. Chernobyl fall out. Anyway, there's a That's bit of the... added value for you. Also, yeah. <laughs> I was about to wrap this bad boy up. And I didn't know this guy was called Brian. Are you right? still talking? Yeah, this guy called Brian who's in the breakfast room. Brian and on the, the news, room. you know when you're in a sort of uh, B&B breakfast and there's, there's a TV in the corner talking about Brian, I was like... Oh, what? <laughs> Hurricane Brian. I can't come up with a more interesting name. It's a boring name. And he's like, that's my, my name. name. And I was like, oh, Good these, one. These sausages um, are nice. And I, we don't have anything against the name Brian, do we? Absolutely not. I like that. For any Brian. listeners out there called Brian. Tune in again next week for more chat about storms and, and STDs. And, and we've got a guest 
next week. Next week. Oh, we do. Ooh. We'll be tasting a whiskey. We'll be tasting a beer. We'll be talking wines. All with the marvellous Simon, Simon Evans, Evans. A fantastic Ooh. comedian who you may have seen touring with his brilliant comedy or seen on the television. He's also got a Radio 4 show and we're big fans. So he's coming in to talk all things drink. So please do tune into that. He's our first guest. He's a, a hugely funny and interesting man. So we'll look forward to meeting him and having a drink with him. For now, thank you very much again. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.